Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the Word. Our reading today comes from the Gospel of St. John, the 12th chapter. A story is given from the 20th verse. Certain Greeks came to worship at the feast and the same came before Philip which was at Bethsaida of Galilee and desired him saying we would see Jesus in the simpler term we want to see Jesus and Philip comes and then tells Andrew that there are some Greeks that want to see Jesus and again Andrew and Philip come to Jesus and tell him that there's some Greeks that want to see you. And Jesus answered Andrew and Philip, the hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone, but if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Now, it might not be so easy for you to understand this story until I take some time to give it context. These people come in the night to see Jesus and they have asked. I want you to note, the men that want to see Jesus were Greeks. These were Gentiles. They were not Jews. And so they want to see Jesus. They have heard great things about him. They've had miracle signs and wonders. They've had, you know, the mighty things that God has wrought by him. And they've come to believe the God of the Jews. So they come to meet him and talk with him. And then Jesus diverts that conversation as though it was not important. I thought, or you would think, the Son of God would say, oh, they're welcome. Give them a cup of tea and let's have a conversation. But as it was, Jesus says, the hour is now come that the Son of Man should be glorified. And then he explains how a seed that bideth alone except it die first. But when it dies, the Bible says it brings forth much fruit. And so, I ask myself a question. Why would Jesus give such an answer of men who have come to see him? And in there, the Holy Spirit revealed to me that many of them wanted to see Jesus, or these Gentiles come to see Jesus according to the vision or understanding they had about his person. And yet, that is not the vision he wanted the Gentile 
to behold concerning him. Did you get it? They want to see Jesus, but yet that's not the vision he wants them to have or see concerning him. And so he says, it is now time, now that these Greeks, the Gentiles are starting to pick the rhythms, they're starting to pick the spirit, they're starting to pick the life. It is now time that the Son of Man is glorified because they have to have a vision of me in a certain glory. That is the perfect vision concerning me. They should not see me now, even though they might have a need that I'm able to fulfill in their lives, but it's not the perfect vision of myself. Who is following what I'm saying? That is why later when you read down into, this is 23, he goes to explain how the seed must die first and then he gives a prophecy concerning his death and resurrection and then that pattern of how it should go. Down in 32, he makes that statement and says, and if I be lifted up from the earth, he says, I will draw all men unto me. Who has understood it? There's a bunch looking for me, but I'm not going to see them because first I must be glorified for them to have a perfect vision of me. If I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw men from myself. Let me help you understand the Greek here. The Greek here sounds like if I am separated from my version of the man on the earth. That's what he's saying. If they are able to see me, to have a vision of me, separate from the version or higher or above the version of me on the earth, he says, I'll draw all men unto me. This is a mystery. If they understand me only by what they saw on the earth, they'll not have a full vision of me. Although it's enough to heal a cancer, it's enough to open a blind eye, it's enough to raise a dead body, it's enough to open a blind eye, it's enough to make a dumb man speak, it's enough to do that, but that's not the perfect vision of myself. You see, if you got every man here and then went inside them to assess or took time to interview them concerning their vision of Christ, you'll be amazed at where all of us see him from. And yet it's a very, very important thing to have a perfect vision of him. Because the gospel is built on the foundation of the revelation of Jesus Christ, but a perfect revelation. Prophecy is built on the foundation of the revelation of Jesus Christ. The church is built on the foundation of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Who do men say I am? And then Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He did not say you are Jesus Christ. He did not say you are Jesus, the son of the living God. He said you are Christ, comma, the son of the living God. And Jesus tells Peter, flesh and blood reveal this not unto you, but my father which is in heaven. And he says, this is the rock on which I will build my church. This very rock is the rock on which I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. This is the rock that I'll give the keys. Whatsoever they bind on the earth, it is bound in heaven. 
Whatsoever they loosen on the earth, it's loosened in heaven. Why? Because he spoke that simple revelation, the Christ, son of the living God. In one version, I don't know it's Luke, he says you are the Christ of God. Meaning the anointed one of God. And I want you to really take time keenly to see that they don't use the word Jesus there. They use the word Christ. When Peter says concerning Jesus, he says you are the Christ of God. He doesn't say you are Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He says you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are Christ. Luke 9.20, he says the Christ of God. He calls him the Christ of God. And I think in my spirit, this could be the most accurate account of that story in Luke. Why? Because unlike John, Matthew, and Mark, Luke tells you, having had a perfect understanding, he speaks of the things that were revealed and showed among them, he says, having had a perfect understanding of all the things that were revealed and believed among them as they walked with Jesus. The Bible says he chose to write from the very first comma and in a certain order to Theophilus that he, the Bible says, Theophilus, might have the certainty of the things in which he has been instructed. That's important for you to note. I want you to understand Luke. Matthew gave his story, Mark gave his story, John gave his story, and all of them are founded on a certain facet and revelation of Jesus Christ. But Luke here, as a writer, tried so much to follow the order of the Spirit while he was writing the testimony of Jesus Christ. That's why when you begin from verses 1 to read, Luke chapter 1, verses 1. For as much as of many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, many have done that. Uh -huh. Even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, he says, it seemed good to me also, having had a perfect understanding of all these things from the very first, to write unto thee in order most excellent, Theophilus, that thou may know the certainty of things in which you have been instructed. Certainty there is that you might be established, that you might have a certain understanding in the things you have been instructed. Because you can't be instructed, but carry not the understanding, the full understanding, the full establishment in which you've been instructed. So I think to be instructed to drive a car, it's another to understand the instruction of driving that car. He's saying, without having a certain order, without interpreting the gospel from a certain order, studying what comes before and what comes after, what is first and what is secondary. If you cannot understand the patterns of the gospel, you cannot be established in the thing you are instructed. Very important. Now, Luke studies this thing, and by way of writing, he says, the very rendering he says, Peter said was, you are the Christ of God. There's an order there. You are the Christ of God. Go back to Matthew. The Greek came at night looking for Jesus. Who understands the difference? The Greek came, okay, okay, let me help you understand this. Jesus Christ are one and the same. 
but Christ existed before Jesus. Jesus was the bodily identity of the Christ. When he is born, you shall call him Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? Before he is born, he's existent, but he is the Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? He tells Mary, look, behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. But before he's called Jesus, before he's born as Jesus, he is Christ. That is why the Bible tells us in Hebrew, by faith, Moses refused to be called the son of the daughter of Pharaoh. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Listen, esteeming the reproach of, did he say Jesus? No, he said the reproach of Christ's greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. You see? So that means Moses got a vision of Christ and then he refused to be called the son of the daughter of Pharaoh and he esteemed Christ's greater riches than the treasures that were in Egypt because he respected the recompense of the reward. He understood what it came with, that the glory that should come because he understood the person of Christ was greater than any kingdom could ever give him in glory. Are you following? Paul speaks of the same person. He says it was that rock from which they drank. It was the cloud by day. He was the fire of flame by night. He was Christ. 1 Corinthians 10, 4. He says, and they did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was not Jesus, he was Christ. Are you following what I'm saying? So before Christ came in the flesh, they only had a vision of him as Christ. When he comes in the flesh, he is Jesus Christ. The Gentiles have come to see Jesus. The same therefore came to Philip and they desired saying, we would see Jesus. We want to see Jesus. The Jews can understand him because of his Jewish roots. So it's okay for them to interpret him from the place of Jesus. But the Gentile won't understand him because they are going to seek the traditions of the Jewish culture and lose his person in Revelation. So when they say we want to see Jesus, he says, ah, the time now is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. He didn't say the Son of God. He said the Son of Man. There has to be a glorification of Jesus. So that's what he now says in verses 32, John 12, that if I be lifted from the earth, I will draw men to myself. Being lifted there is if I be separated from the person of Jesus and purely carry the vision, the perfect vision of me as the Christ that existed from the foundation of the ages, that designed this life that men follow through and after, that will sit with the Father, far above all principalities and powers, that they will sit in me that they will live in me and move in me and carry my own being. If I don't carry that, if I'm not lifted from the earthly form, he's saying, I will not draw them. Now, do you understand? Some people say, lift Jesus higher. 
Lift, even sing it. Lift Jesus higher. Lift Jesus higher. No, this is the Christ. Who has understood what I just said? That's a perfect interpretation. That one is okay. It's accurate. But it's a perfect interpretation. This is a Christ saying, if I be lifted from the earth. When you read the Greek word there, earth, he's saying from the ground. And from the ground, God created man and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and he became a living soul. He's saying, if I'm separated from the man of the ground, if I'm separated from the man of the flesh, then they will know. That's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. He says, Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yeah, though we have known Christ, listen, after the flesh, yet now henceforth know him no more. In other words, when they had a perfect vision of Jesus Christ, they could not regard him in the flesh anymore. Because nobody can see Jesus in the flesh anymore. Nobody can see the Christ, better said, in the flesh anymore. Who understands what I'm saying? Why is it important for you to understand this? Because you see, this Jesus who walked the surface of this earth in the body with the spirit of Christ in him as he was, something transitioned on his life at the death and resurrection that many people in the church of Jesus Christ have not yet understood. And this is important because if you don't understand this, you will never have a perfect vision of Jesus. And if you don't have a perfect vision of Jesus or the Christ, then you cannot leave the glory that only the Christ can carry. The Bible says that he was crucified. And in that crucifixion, in that suffering, in that bruising, remember the Bible says he gave his life he was not taken. He was given a name above all names. And at the sound of that name, every knee should bow of the things in the earth, of the things under earth and the things in heaven. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. There was a certain elevation spiritually when he endured the cross. And for such, the Bible says, he became the captain of our salvation through suffering. Now, why is this important? If you don't understand this, you will not understand who you really are. When Paul is writing to the church in Ephesians, now let me try to explain this, chapter 2. Listen to the language he speaks, verses 11. He tells them, remember, He's taken to the church in Ephesus. Born again believers, all of us. Remember that you being in time past, Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh, made by hands. That at that time, he says, you were without. Listen, at that time, you were without. He didn't say you were without Jesus. Are you following? You are without the spirit of Christ, right? You were without Christ. 
being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Before you became born again, you were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. You were strangers from the covenants of the promise. In other words, the covenants of the promise didn't know you. You could know them, but they didn't know you. You meet somebody and say, hey, how are you, Isaac? He says, hi. You're lost. Uh-huh, yeah. You don't remember me? Mm, no, remind me who you are again. I'm Theophilus. Are you following what I'm saying? You were strangers from the covenant of the promise, having no hope and without God in this world. But I want you to understand this. When he's talking to the Ephesians, he says, you were in the time past. That means when they become born again and receive Jesus in their spirits, it means that they are no longer strangers to the world, to the covenants of promise. They are no longer alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. Let me explain the commonwealth of Israel. Everything God has promised a Jew in the Old Testament is yours. So you are the Jew, not by blood, but has been grafted in. Paul uses the language being grafted in. You are that Jew. So because you have been grafted in, Bible called you the wild branch that has been grafted in. And now he is the vine and you're the branch. It means right now as I'm speaking, whether you're Jew or Gentile, whether you're slave or free, you're the same in Christ. That's why Paul says, in Christ, there is neither Jew nor Gentile. Did you read it? In Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither born nor free, neither male nor female. For ye are all one in what? Christ Jesus. Are you following? Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus. Not Jesus Christ. Jesus what? Christ Jesus. So in this order, Jesus comes secondary. His blood version comes secondary. His deity and person in the Godhead comes first. In the Trinity comes first, so to speak. Are you following what I'm saying? Now, I have people, 2023, who still think that if you do some Jewish things, you're going to earn a certain holiness and righteousness. Let me tell you, if you go to Israel right now and made a research on the percentage of Christians in Israel, you will be utterly shocked. Who believed that the Christ walked this earth? Jesus. Judaism doesn't, which is the main faith in Israel, which is the major faith for almost all the leaders. They don't believe that Jesus came in the flesh. The person of Christ came in the flesh. Christians, men which believe that Jesus came in the flesh, are the minority in the very places you take pilgrim 
I'm not saying you shouldn't go. I went. I'm not saying you shouldn't go to Israel. When you go to Israel, I'll ask the same questions the man of the book asked. What did you come to see? What did you come to see? Did you come to see the fragments of a fallen world? And then carry the delusion that because they are standing on the ground, therefore it's holier than where you are? Have you come thinking by the virtue of the fact that that they are Jews by blood, therefore God has a deeper relationship with them than you are, then you have not yet understood Christ. You're still an alien in understanding. In Christ, there is neither Jew nor Gentile. But I've seen pastors celebrating Jewish feasts. <laughs> Jewish feasts. Jewish. Do you understand it? I've seen it on international televisions. Listen, if they are Jew by blood, they should, because it's part of their tradition. But you see, we are more. We are more advantaged in relation with Christ because we have received his lordship through faith. So never think that because you found a Jew who is a Jew by blood, therefore they have great advantage to you. No, 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 no. They have no advantage to you. Even Paul says it. The Jew is of no advantage to the Gentile. Not in the New Testament. In the old years, but not in the New Testament. Somebody shout hallelujah. Have you asked yourself why the Gentile church across the world or on the earth is more successful now has preached or propagated the gospel of Jesus Christ more than the Jews now present have you ever asked yourself that question I've seen a God who walks with men without and leaves men within because they think they can affiliate by fallen or carnal patterns I've seen it all the time that is why in 1901 when Charles Parham was preaching the gospel and the onset of the Pentecostal movement, the Jim Crow laws did not allow black men and women to congregate with the white people. And this black boy called William Seymour went on the steps of the church in the cold winter and got his pen and paper and started writing scriptures as Charles Parham was teaching. Charles did not refuse the young man to come in, but the laws would not let Charles let that boy in. They wanted to pray with the blacks, but at that particular point, it was not allowed because the Jim Crow laws could not allow. The Spirit of God left this folk in the building and went out on the cold and sat with this black boy. And behind that story is the birth of what you know or is called the Azusa Street Revival, 1905, 1906, which up to today, by record and history, is the most definitive movement of Pentecostalism in the modern age. Like if you went to follow the tentacles or the veins by which the Azusa Street Revival flowed across the world, no movement had had such an effect in modern uh, Christianity like Azusa did. Even the Edward Joe Church who brings the East African Revival 
and joined hands with the Simambis, that man got the phlegm from Azusa when it went to the United Kingdom. God has a way of skipping those you think are eligible. And then he goes to connect with that which you think cannot or is not considered and then puts glory on it. That's exactly what he has done with the Gentiles. You cannot find a congregation like this right now in Israel praying to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they say that they believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Very few of them do this. It's there, but it's in pockets. It's in pockets. So the Jew has no advantage over you. The Jew has no advantage over you because now we regard no man in the flesh. Paul says we regard no man in the flesh. Even the Christ we could have, he's gone, he's ascended. We don't have his bodily form anymore. We can't regard any man in the flesh, but who you are in the spirit. Now he's saying, before you were born again, you were like that. You were aliens. If God promised anything, when the Bible says, no weapon fashion against the children of Israel, or Israel shall prosper. He's talking about you. He's not talking about the Jew by blood. Somebody shout hallelujah. Anything he has promised his people in scripture, then in the Old Testament, which was for the Jew, now is all yours because you're in Christ. So never disqualify yourself. It's a fact, I've heard, that almost 40% of the richest people in the world are Jews, but really because the church has not woken up. You understand what I'm saying? Only because you born again people have not yet woken up. So they think that that blessing is because of the blood. No, I disagree. I believe that blessing is hundreds and thousands of years of patterns that work within the systems of their families. Remember, if you study Jewish people, they are very keen on preserving the oracles. So many of the principles all through from Moses, they do. Even those who don't believe in Christ, they don't struggle in your things like tithe and many other things. Bill Gates gives 40% of his monthly income. I'm told he has, you know, Jewish blood. But I'm still dealing with a Christian who struggles to give even a tenth. You understand? So by virtue of the fact that the families have kept patterns, eh? they've kept the patterns or the principles, they've handed them over from generation upon generation. These very principles are either working to fulfill old seeds, the old seeds that, uh, and promises that were made to their forefathers and the Lord that what? Blesses you with what? With wealth or success. The Bible says that I might establish the covenant that I made with your fathers. You see, there are promises that God has made with your forefathers. It's like right now, some of you are doing things, but there are things God right now is promising you that might not be fulfilled in this life, but will be passed on to your children's 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 children. So it's the same thing when he says, I'm the God who gives you power to make wealth, that I might establish the covenant that I made with your forefathers. These guys have generations of men who have obeyed principle and pattern for many years. And so it spills into their sons. Not because they are loved above us or anybody else in the world, but because some of these children are standing on very, 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 very old seeds that outlive perhaps four, five, ten generations back. 
some of you, you are where you are because maybe your parents served God. And your children have not struggled because your parents served God. That's why I said, your children also won't struggle. Your children's children, there are things God will remember you of and then he'll say no. You remember when he was building his covenant with David? He told him, if any of your sons mess themselves up, he says, I shall discipline them, chastise them, but I'll still restore them and establish them on the throne as I've promised you, because I have made this covenant not only with you, but with all your sons. He will discipline them. He will deal with them as hard as he can, but he will still remember the covenant he made with David and still restore them and put them on the right path. Don't underestimate what you're doing now. You're sitting in church on Thursday. Don't underestimate the time you took in prayer. Don't underestimate the time you took reading the word. Don't underestimate the time you sowed. Maybe you've not even yet seen your sowing, your seed, the results of your seed. That's okay. But a time will come where God will look at your children and remember. He says, I was once young and now I'm old. I have never seen the righteous forsaken, neither their seed begging bread. Their seed begging bread. Those are your children. He's saying, I will not allow your children to beg bread when you're not there. Oh, somebody shout hallelujah. I'll not let it. I'll not let it. There are things our children will never see because we served God. Because we served God. Are you with me? Now, let's continue with Ephesians. He says you were... Aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, you are strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. Verses 13, uh-huh. But now, he says, in Christ Jesus, you who are sometimes far off are made nigh by the blood of, answer me, Christ. For he is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, to make in himself one new man so making peace that he might reconcile both God in one body by the cross having slain the enmity thereby he says and he came and preached peace to you which were up far off and then to them that were nigh for through him he says we both have access by one spirit and to the father now therefore verses 19 Ye are no more strangers <laughs> and foreigners. Somebody shout hallelujah. But fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief corner stone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Who has understood what I just said? You are now built together with Him. That means forget your physical version. Oh, 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 I don't know who I'm talking to. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verses 30, Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them also he what? He called. And whom he called, them also he justified. And whom he justified, them also he glorified. 
what is your glorification then? What is your glorification? Your glorification is to be one with a glorified Christ. This is the mystery that was hid from ages past and now revealed. Jesus, did he say Jesus? Did he say Jesus? No, he says Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is the mystery among the Gentiles. This is the mystery among all of you who are not Jewish by blood. That it doesn't matter anymore what blood lineage you come from, what family you come from, what color you are, what height you are, what education credentials you are. What No, it matters that now Christ Jesus is in you, the hope of that glory. The hope of that glory. Now, where Jesus is, the glorified one, Christ, where Christ is, when the Bible says you are seated in Christ Jesus, far above all principality and power, where he is, is exactly the version you carry, except that you are in the flesh. Did you understand what I just said? Everything, everything you know about Christ, now is who you are in him. And it's who he is in you. Let me put some application to this. If the glory of the Christ, while he was still on the earth, could do every miracle that you've read in scripture, but now he's in such an elevation of glory, seated with the Father right now, and Moreover, you are seated when it is already finished. Everything, everything, everything that you needed to purchase your eternal salvation has already been done by Christ. That is why he's not standing. He is seated. That's a position of rest, affirming that everything that is needed for your success and the progress of the gospel or the kingdom of God has been done. And while he is seated in the heavenly places, the Bible says you are seated. That's a position of rest, not anxiety. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is love made perfect. That we might have confidence on that day. For as he is, so are we in this world. Now let me help, let me help some of you. The Bible says, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. The word there, judgment, is crisis. The Greek word there used for judgment is crisis. So it would read like, Herein is our love made perfect. Uh, you see, some of you don't know that God is love. Oh, now you know. Okay. Uh, Herein is God made perfect, that we may have boldness on the day of crisis. That you might have boldness on the day of crisis. That you have boldness when they say you have diabetes. That you have boldness when they say you have cancer. That you have boldness when they say you're struggling, you're not going to make it. That you have boldness when they say you cannot have kids. Oh, 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 oh. This is the perfection of God. That you might have boldness on the day when you are in crisis. Because as he is, not as he was, not as he was, not as he was, not as he was. But because as he is, he says, 
so are we in this world. Refuse to be a third world citizen. When they say, some of you in a third world country, you tell them, no, no, no. <laughs> Who has understood what I just said? I might be in a third world country, but I'm not of a third world country. I'm a citizen of heaven. Hasn't the Bible said it? Come on, help me. Hasn't the Bible said that you are a citizen? Along with the saints? Nothing disqualifies you. Even if you made the decision right now and say, I'm going to be the richest man in the world, heaven can agree with you. If you make up your mind right now and say, I'm going to be the most successful lawyer in the world, heaven can agree with you. If you say, I'm going to be the most successful businesswoman in the world, to the glory of God, heaven can agree with you. If you say, I'm going to be the most fervent revivalist the world has ever seen, heaven can agree with you right now. I don't know who I'm talking to. It doesn't matter how you talk. The Bible says with stammering lips, he has even ordained men to speak the oracle. God doesn't care where you are, who you are. He cares that you understand this simple context. Very simple context. How can you worry? Because they fired you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You build boldness and say, I cannot be fired. Because the one in me created them. Do you understand what I'm saying? So what if you don't have a job? Still, the greater one lives inside you. So what if things have not yet worked and you're clocking into the fourth floor? Yeah, 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 some of you are clocking into the fifth floor and marriage has not yet come. I don't care whether you're 70, you'll get married. Whether you're 80, you'll have kids. Oh, what did he say? Yes, Christ in me. If under an inferior covenant, a 90-year-old woman would conceive, an 80-year-old, an inferior covenant, how much more you? That is why you have to put your hand on the head and say, I will not die of disease. Because I carry the glorified Christ in my spirit. Oh, You cannot fail. I always tell you, some of you, it's starting to sink. You cannot. You can't. You can't. You can't. You can't. You can't. Because if you fail, it means Jesus has failed. And it is not possible. Your marriage cannot fail, but it is failing. It's up to you to believe it or not. Christ is inside there waiting for you to say that my marriage will not fail. My career will not fail. My education will not fail. My heart will not fail. My kidneys will not fail. My liver will not fail. My mind will not fail. I will not carry dementia. Christ in you. The hope of glory. Somebody shout hallelujah. Cancer has no place. HIV has no place. Diabetes has no place. Death has no place. Struggle and strife have no place. Because you are a glorified being. You are the glory of God. 
<laughs> oh! That is why when he saw your version, he says you are a chosen generation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. When the Bible says you are a strange people, you must understand that word doesn't mean that you are crazy. It means you're just different. Peculiar or strange, let me help some of you understand what Peter is talking about. If you study the Hebrew there, peculiar means you pass where they can't pass. You break through where they can't break through. You crack what they say cannot be cracked. You disrupt what they say cannot be disrupted. You change what they say cannot be changed. You build what they say cannot be built. You break what they say nobody can break. That is why, I don't know why, but I feel I'm standing with men who are going to write history. Oh, I don't know who I'm talking to. When he saw your version, because he knew you were strange, you were peculiar, he said, what I has not seen, because what you're going to do, nobody has ever seen it. What ear has not heard, because what you're going to do, nobody has ever heard of it. What has not entered the heart of man, the Bible says, these are the things which God has prepared for them that love him, and he has revealed them unto us by his spirit. Some of you think you're going to get a job and then live an average life and then go to, you know, you understand? Live an average. <laughs> Die like your uncles did. No! I don't care in your family. People are predicted in death. They're predicted in wealth. They're predicted in vision. They're predicted in destiny. I have come to tell you that you can design another destiny by this message right now because the glory that is necessary is available. I don't know who I'm talking to. Before us in our family, which family? Come on, answer me, which family? The family of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Paul and Peter, Ezekiel and Apostle Grace. Come on, help me. That is why I tell you when you dream, dream so big. But when you start speaking, even your chair which you're sitting on will start shaking. And then they'll say, why is it shaking? Because somebody is dreaming. Somebody is dreaming. We're tired of predictable dreams, predictable plans. You know, I plan to build like a house somewhere in Mitiana, a two-bedroom. No. Build for Christ dream for Christ as he is so are we no crisis should make you lose peace no crisis should make you lose peace no crisis I repeat should make you lose peace there is nothing that glory on your life cannot fix nothing I don't care how advanced a lady came to me this Sunday A husband fought a thief and the thief was HIV positive and then a few days 
weeks, the husband is phone positive. Then she comes and tells me, Apostle Grace, I checked this fellow and they say he's positive. I told her we can't change it. We can change it. We can change it. Jekete. Kondadori Gabade. Zuprodogo Zikata. Shileke Dedege. Zuroko Dagozando Badaka. And the woman was full of faith. You know, there is something about praying with a person who has faith. You know, I don't know how to pray with people who are praying. Apostle, pray. He's going to die. Don't call me. Don't call me. Don't call me. That's not faith. That's not a creature who understands glory. Apostle, pray. My mother. I don't know how to pray under pressure. This one came and said, Apostle, I can't take it. That's how she says, I can't take that report. I've refused it. That's a woman of faith. I said, we can change it. But some of you already come in defeated mode. <laughs> Apostle, pray now. Pray, pray, pray. No, I can't pray like that. We join hands like this. And I heard the voice tell me, the Spirit of God, he said, it's done. So I turn to this lady. I tell her, it's done. Go now and check it. Now. Check nothing. We have a story in South Africa. Somebody gave her my summons. She had been living with HIV for long. And she put them on the ears. And listened and listened and listened and, and said, I, ah, I'm healed. <laughs> she just said, ah, I am healed. She just said it. She has checked for more than a year. They can't trace HIV. Not on drugs. Because somebody has chosen to believe that with my God, all things are possible. There is nothing that cannot leave your body. Even that organ that seems like it's failing, God can start reconstructing it right now. If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead truly abides in you, if it raised Christ from the dead, what about who kidneys? What about kidneys? What about fibroids? There's nothing, literally nothing. If you do not have a perfect vision of Christ, you cannot have a perfect vision of yourself. Sometimes I read the Bible and I sit alone and I fear. I fear myself. Sometimes I sit there and I fear myself. I know how dangerous I am to the kingdom of Satan. <laughs> These days I'm worried at how dangerous I am. Come on, elbow somebody. Listen, those are the thoughts that should guard your heart. Some of you are worried where you'll get food. Some of us are worried because we are too atomic. Because sometimes I think to myself, really, Christ is in here. Oh, I pity anything that sets itself against me. 
I start pitying it. I'm not, I pity it. Because I'm like, eh, this thing is fighting. Anybody that attacks me, I look at them like they're kicking against the prick. Do you understand what I'm saying? Start to fear yourself. Start to sit alone in the chair and think. Some of you should learn. You see, recently, I studying this thing. You know this thing where the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, so the mouth speaks. Many of you have never examined that portion of Scripture. That portion of Scripture literally means whatever you are full of is what spills out of you. By the time you say, I am sick, you've spoken in the abundance of disease. By the time somebody tells you, Sarah, lend me some money. And then you say, ha, I don't have. You've spoken from the abundance of poverty. You have not spoken just from poverty. You have spoken from the abundance of poverty. There are poverty in your heart. You might not have money in the pocket, but if you're speaking from the abundance of a rich man, you tell them, sorry, my bank has an issue. You're not lying. Because you're not an inheritor of physical things only. You also have spiritual inheritance. And they are kept, kept his banking. They are banked somewhere. Find an answer that fits the glory of God in your spirit. Then you find a Christian who has been deceived by the devil for so long that they got to believe and out of that abundance of the heart, the soul, they started to speak. Remember the story in Ezekiel 37. Do you remember the value of dry bones? Hmm? When uh, God is helping Ezekiel understand this, in verses 11, 37 verses 11, I know many of you have never read this. God said unto him, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, Behold, they say, our bones are dried and our hope is lost. We are cut off from our parts. Therefore, prophesy to them. He didn't say correct them. Speak a contrary language for their redemption. These people were deceived by the devil for so long. Israel in its state was not where it was in the days of Ezekiel because of the reality of experiences they were going through, but rather the conceptions of their heart and out of the abundance started to speak to themselves, our bones are dry. Because it was from the abundance. Somebody wakes up and you think you are poor every day. And some of you have learned the art of confessing, right? Yet your heart is far. You worship the Lord with your mouth or lips, the Bible says, but your heart is far from him. How do you know? Because the meditation of your heart conflict the confessions of your mouth. Here you say, I am healed. But inside you're saying, I'm dying. I am healed. I am dying. I am healed. I'm sick. I am healed. I'm sick. You say, I'm rich. Then in the, the heart, the soul is saying, I'm poor. The 
That's double-mindedness. The Bible says a double-minded man should not expect to receive anything from God. If you have believed you're healed, I don't care how worse you feel, never turn your thoughts, especially the meditations of your heart, because out of that abundance, even before you speak, the evidence will be notable. Israel was deceived until they saved. But that was from the abundance of the heart of deception that the devil had given them or relayed to their spirits for many years and they believed it. Some of you, you come from families that have struggled for generations upon generations upon generations that even in your new birth version, you still think that you are stuck because you're Kagwa's daughter. Somebody needs help. I don't care whether Kagwa's children don't break through. You're going to be the first one. They're joking. <laughs> I'm telling you they're joking. Whether your fathers didn't break through, you will break through. Whether your grandfathers did break through, you will break through. Because now you are a new alliance. And the glory of Christ is on you. Not the glory of Kagwa. Are you following me, child of God? You see, somebody told me, uh, you see, we pity the Africans. And, and I know where I was coming from because of what I think Africa has gone through. And I, I'm trying to think in my head, this guy doesn't know that some of us, we don't even connect to African heritage <laughs> because we found another one. Yeah, by color, but that's it. Because we drank its water and ate its food, that's why we owe it only. But beyond that, we are citizens of Zion. Nothing disqualifies us from whatever God has created best for the world. That's why I'm asking you again, don't dream small. Whatever you do, do it so big. Do it so big and unapologetic. Let them judge you, it's okay. You have one life to shine on the earth and store up treasures in heaven where moths cannot go. For example, as preachers, we gave our best because we know what's inside us. We gave our best. We might not be understood. We might pay a price for it, but it's still okay. We have refused to compromise for anything less. That's why we are now on every international television station in the world. But somebody from Uganda had to believe that it is possible. And on some of them, on prime time. <laughs> they used to tell us, no, prime time, prime time, prime time now. We can put you in the late hours. Now some of us are now in prime time. And not by power, not by might, but by the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we don't think like some Africans think. We're a new creation. You deserve the best. You deserve the best. And let me prophesy upon your life. The best is waiting for you. The Bible says whether Paul or Apollos, 
whether things present or things to come. <laughs> All are yours. He says, and you are Christ's. You will not settle for less. You are not less. No, no, no. You know, recently I've seen people writing slogans, I'm enough. You are not enough. You are more than enough. <laughs> Let me correct you. If you are more than a conqueror, how can you be enough? Somebody help me. You are more than enough. What's upon your life is more than enough. You have enough glory not only to change your life, but to change the lives of nations. Underline destinies on billions and billions and still have enough to live back for the rest of the generations to eat by. Because Christ is in you, the hope of glory. Live a glorified life. Pray from a glorified place. Stop going to go in Aimokama. Hereb. Hereb. Hereb, the wolf is chasing me. <laughs> When you enter the prayer life, go into a place of boldness. Father, I think. Because I'm chasing wolves. They're not chasing me. Are you following what I'm saying? You go to the doctor and they say you have diabetes and you say, oh, diabetes is in trouble. Not I'm in trouble. No, it is the wine in trouble. <laughs> Anything that attacks you, it's the one in trouble, not you. Praise the Lord Jesus. Believe God for the best. Dream for big things. Plan for big stuff. You guys who are doing cast the fire. Do things that when you're in the university, they'll say, what is this? Recently, I was in Catch the Fire in Barara. And pastors were watching, asking, what is this? We've never seen anything. And it was a university meeting. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands. Because somebody's dreaming. Somebody's believing. We cannot settle for less. Raise your hands and thank God. Thank God. The mystery revealed through love and sacrifice not of my own but of the Son. He came to me in peace and held me in his arms and say today I found true love and say today I found true love so it has been since then I've been my father's child when I received
Not a struggling one. And whatever comes, let me handle it with that simplicity and confidence and boldness. Whatever crisis is ahead of me, God, I know that I'm more than a conqueror. By you, Christ, which strengthens me. Father, thank you for the glory that you've given us. Because some of us were cognizant that we were Gentiles. Indeed, we are aliens from the commonwealth. We are strangers to the covenant and promises. We had no God. But you became our God. You chose us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because in you now, we are not out. We are locked within. Thank you. Because everything promised to your own is asked by Christ. And I declare upon every man and woman at the sound of my voice, you will not fail. Nothing will defeat you. Nothing will frustrate you. Everything set ahead of you, I want to decree by reason of what God has told you today, you have won it. You have defeated it already. You have defeated it already. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Give the Lord a mantle of praise. Come on, clap for Jesus. Ah, 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 ah. Clap for Jesus Christ. So everything that's ahead of you, you've already won. Whatever comes, we've already defeated it. Hallelujah. If you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus, everything I have been speaking, it has nothing to do with you for an inheritance. But you can make it yours through a simple prayer of receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Above all, it's not just what he can do or will do for you while you're walking this life. And most importantly, that he died for your sins, that you might have eternal life, and that you have a hope beyond the grave. So if you're there and you say, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ, repeat the words after me. Just say, Father God, I thank you for Jesus, because he died for my sins. 
and was raised for my glory. Today, I believe with my heart and confess with my mouth the Lordship of Jesus. Today, Jesus is Lord and Savior of my life. I'm born again. Amen. This sermon has been brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number plus 256-200-999400 or email us at info at You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Follow us on our social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fenero Ministries International. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowship at the Uma Upper Gardens from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. and for our Sunday services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at the Uma Multipurpose Hall. Fenero, make manifest.